I'm Sasha Sagan, and this is Strange Customs. There's this rock beneath the surface of the planet, the one the creatures live on. Well, there are lots of rocks, but this one in particular is important to them. It's not scarce, but they pretend it's scarce. It's really difficult for them to get the rock out. It's, it's dangerous. But they need it because some of the creatures use it in a ritual. They acquire the largest one they can, which is attached to a small circle. The creature crouches down and presents it to another creature. If she accepts, she wears it on one of ten small protruding digits. The one once believed to be connected to a part of their physical structure associated with non-physical states? It's not, but they still do this. And then the other creatures see it, and they understand that she's agreed to take part in another ritual later, and also not to try to reproduce with her. Katie and I have known each other for so many years, and I have a false memory that Adam also went to NYU with us, but it's just a fever dream that never happened. But I like to believe that he was also there in the early 2000s. Today, I have two guests with me, Katie Lowe's and Adam Shapiro, both lovely people, amazing actors, and they happen to be married to each other. But um, I'm just so delighted that I get to ask you guys about... This very specific ritual that human beings like to do, at least in this region of the planet, because you're like one of the best married couples I know, and I need to know how we got to this moment when you were dating, and it started feeling like this might be serious. What did you think about like specifically this ritual of getting engaged? It's so weird, right? Traditionally, in a male-female relationship, right, the man has to like get this giant rock and present it in this way and like there's the calling the father I mean there's all these trappings and then there's this ritual of like bending down and presenting it and the woman has to accept it where were you with that stuff and how did it feel when it actually happened this is so crazy because when you spell it out like in only the way that Sasha Sagan can you're like what are we this is is crazy like why did I need a diamond why did you have to get down on one knee like and I wanted those things it's so crazy because I was terrified of marriage I was terrified of being engaged I really don't think Adam and I spoke much about it before he actually proposed. And we had been together for four years. So when he did actually propose, no one was shocked except for me. Can you set the stage? Like, what what was the day? We didn't talk about it a lot. And, and I didn't even really think about it a lot. It was really more just sort of external pressure. Not pressure. And not my family didn't put pressure on me. But it, it felt like, you know... They were like, hey, when if when you're ready to buy the engagement ring, you should go to the family jeweler in Maryland. You know, like, that's where we all go. And I was just like, oh, now that's on my radar. Like, I really didn't really think about it that much until I started getting these sort of, like, hints that maybe it was about time. And We had uh, been dating for four years, and I sort of equated, like, I was 28 years old, and I had always been just such 
a career-centric person and really equated, like, marriage with career death, which since then is nowhere near the truth if when you marry the person that I thankfully married. The rumors of your career death were greatly exaggerated (laughs) in your mind. Yes. (laughs) And I was really scared about growing up. It's really weird, but um, I think I did more work in therapy when I was engaged Mm. than any other time in my life. And I think it was... That was also when you got me to finally go to therapy when we were engaged. You're welcome. I've been Mm. there ever since, (laughs) baby. It's so funny that you bring this up, but I didn't really want to get married, but I'll tell you right now, if he was going to do it, I definitely wanted a ring. I wanted a specific proposal. I wanted him to call my dad. But I felt like it was such a growing up moment because it was like for the first time I wasn't... I was choosing my family and making a choice. Mm. I almost felt like I'd never made a choice in my life. I wanted to be an actor from the time I was three. I wanted to go to Tisch School of the Arts when I was 12. I didn't choose my parents. I didn't choose my brother. I didn't choose where I grew up. And then when I moved to L.A., I fake chose that. I just sort of lied to myself and said, I'm going to go for three months and be right back. Mm. And then that never really happened. I was fake lying. So saying yes to a proposal was... In that moment, it felt like the first time I was ever making a real choice. And I was choosing somebody to essentially take priority from the family I had already built. But I definitely wasn't a little girl that dreamed about my wedding. I was very career-centric. So this was... But also, you're also very, like, your family-centric. Very. You know, so, like, there for me, that mm. was always the most nerve-wracking thing about, you know, getting married to Katie. It was just, like, it was a little bit like I was asking you to, like, add me to your family more than I was asking her to, like, mm. be in mine. Um, sure, sure. That and sense. that was like a really big deal because her family's really close. <laughs> they text 75,000 times a day and I'm on the chain. <laughs> I was going to ask, are you on the text chain now? And when did that happen? Was that yeah, a bigger that's a commitment, huge commitment than the um, engagement? <laughs> and I occasionally throw in some fun stuff. Yeah, you pictures, do. GIFs, things like that. But it's just a different family dynamic than mine. And so, yeah, it was. I thought that was the biggest you know, my parents were just like, yeah, you should get married. Like, like go, 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 and go, go. the crazy go. thing about the story is when you'll tell it is when you did propose, he proposed all around your family. That was weird. That's really interesting because it's like for so much of history, it's like the woman would come and join like leave her home and go join the village of the man, whatever, and like that would be her life, and like this would That's be. That's what it felt like, you know, Sasha. Major transition point. So when did you call Mr. Lowe's? Oh, I uh, I actually was in New York for work. For no, something. for a wedding. A wedding? Another friend's wedding. Oh, yeah, that's right. I wasn't working at that time. (laughs) (laughs) Waiters. Yeah, we weren't working. It's not like anybody was working. What were you doing? Shooting something? Yeah, definitely not. Climbing to New York. (laughs) To bust Uh, a table? Yeah, uh, somebody needed help with their Facebook and login. Um, So I, (laughs) that's what I got calls about back then. Um, And to design actors' websites. Yeah, I designed a lot of actors' websites that were working. 
Uh, and anyway, I was in New York for something, for a wedding, whatever. And I was like, I'm just going to show up at Katie's parents' house in Long Island at like 6 a.m. and surprise them. No. <laughs> yeah. Are you serious? Dumbest, you had a bouquet of flowers, Dumbest idea right? ever. Yeah, I got flowers. Oh, that's a good... Bouquet of flowers says something <laughs> yes. terrible has not happened. <laughs> yes, I thought that would be a good thing. That's a good visual cue. I borrowed a car or rented a car or something, and I and I sort of emailed Barb, Katie's mom, to kind of get an idea of, like, is Kevin going to actually be home? Because Kevin is a photographer, and he's, he's constantly on the road um, on shoots and stuff. And he was, mm. and she was like, oh, yeah, Kevin's actually leaving tomorrow morning. And I was like, oh, no. I'm going to get there at 5 a.m. so he doesn't leave before I get there. So I showed up, and and then I'm, like, finally, like, I feel like all the lights are coming on. I feel like they're up. They're probably <gasps> Wait, you're just coffee. sitting in your parked car, and they're, like, in the street. On the street. Were you Okay, just so you're, like, them. driving at dawn on, I'm presuming, the Long Island Expressway. Are yeah. you stressed? Are you stressed. nervous that they're going to yeah, be, like, sweat mm-hmm. in my armpits type vibe? I, yeah, I was nervous. I was really nervous. I didn't know what I was going to say, and I was running through it over and over and then, um, what what was the plan? What were you gonna say? Who knows? <laughs> Great, thanks, yeah. Adam, for thinking about it. Your daughter is like what? Uh, what? Just the best, you know. And I, I love her, and I'm gonna do whatever. <laughs> so glad I you can. did work on this. Yeah, I'm gonna do whatever I can to like take care of her. Yeah, like be there, treat to, her amazingly, to treat her, take her, aye, aye, aye. make money aye. for her, or whatever. This is so traditional, isn't it? I know. Not? Well, I think that's why I struggled with it so much because I don't. You know, like, I wouldn't think to, like, oh, I'm going to take care of her because I've never thought that way of you. Like, I've never thought that, like, I'm going to I'm gonna uh, provide for her. Like, I'm like, well, Katie's going to provide for herself. I just want to be along for the ride, you know, like. <laughs> and so I, I finally am like, all right, I'm going to do this. I get out of the car door. And right as I'm approaching the door, so are, like, five of his crew members. They're all meeting at the house <sighs> for, uh, to, to, like, have breakfast and then head out together. And I'm like, ow. Oh, Fuck. And they're all like, hey, Katie's uh, boyfriend. I'm like, hey, guys. They're like, what are you doing here? I got flowers at six in the morning. So they all know what I'm doing there. Kevin hasn't seen me yet. Kevin comes down in his robe, and and I hear Barb go, Kevin, it's happening. Yeah, my mom is running around, and her story goes, like, (gasps) my dad was in the shower. My mom sees Adam walking up the driveway. She runs upstairs, and she's like, Kevin, it's happening. Like that. Oh. The, uh, she had been the, waiting. Um, the crew kind of respected our privacy. They kind of went into the living room. And then your parents were like, let's go outside. Did they photograph and, it? Did they like take they a really long lens? Really God damn, I would pay a shitload of money of that. Those would be some amazing Because my photos. dad made it really hard for you, right? Yeah, well, they were like, let's go outside. They're like, you want something to drink? I'm like, yeah, just like all the water. All of it. <laughs> I am so dry in my mouth cavity right now. And... Uh, <laughs> And and so I went out there, and then I sat on these Adirondack chairs that your parents have on the back deck, and your dad kind of, like, sat on the arm of the Adirondack chair that I was on the lower part. Such a power move. And, like, you know, Adirondack chairs are real, they've got a real uh, angle. Dip the ass. Yeah, so, so you're way low. I'm, like, 40 feet below where your dad is. Yeah. That I'm is such a move. Of, like, that is saying I am the alpha here. I mean, that is yeah. such a power move. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I felt it. I felt the, the squeeze. And then he um, was like, I was like, well, I think you know why I'm here. And he's like, well, I'm, no, you got to say it. 
Yeah, my dad, who is not like this, like when I've heard Adam say this story before, I... It's, you would have thought he would have let me off the hook immediately. Well, said, he's such a people pleaser like yeah. I am, and he really does not like conflict, and he really doesn't like people to feel uncomfortable. He's such a caretaker in that way oh. of like making sure everybody in the room yeah, feels really good. And so to know that you were like struggling and super nervous, and he didn't come to your aid, no, he I kind of like, love it. He said, "I'm not going to help you out, pal." Yeah, he said, well, "I'm not going to help you out, pal." Oh my god. And then I, that's when I started blobbing on and on about, like, caring for your daughter and stuff. You don't remember any of it, though. No, no, no. I don't remember any of it. I just Did remember how like... dry my mouth was. You know, I'm not afraid of public speaking, and obviously I've been a stage actor forever, and I don't. Now I understand why people don't like getting up on stage if, if that makes them nervous. Because yeah. I, I that was the first time I've ever felt that. Dry and it was horrible. Sucks. I was like, get me out of here. I was sweating. I couldn't, I couldn't, I know saliva. I was just like, and so did you ask like a did you ask a question like a direct question? Yeah, I think to I him? finally did, and I was like, and I and so yeah, I'm here to to sort of uh, ask for your blessing, you and Barb, and. Uh, and then they just started crying instead of course, Aww. and we hugged. Aww. And your dad said, I would be like honored to have you as a son in law or something. Oh like my god, that's gonna make me cry. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah, yeah. He said something really like like a knight would, would say. My dad's very like that. Yeah. Like that's a knight. so sweet. And so then I just hightailed it out of there, and I was like, It was Great. like all of 7 a.m. I'm not even kidding. And so I started planning the um, the, the proposal. Big proposal, which was going to be at her family's lake house in the Adirondacks, and it was going to be around her family. And I was really going to, like, you know, do the proposal in a way that showed that I was, like, part of your family now. Like, it was going to be on a kayak and, like, you know... Like, very her family. My family yes. hasn't seen a Yes, which kayak. is so funny because that is what my brother ended up doing with the woman he married. Like, it's funny that you say, like, how you the wife goes into the husband's yes. family. Because my the proposal that Adam was at first planning, which did not happen. That's going to be your family. At the Adirondack Lake House, like, on a kayak is with my entire extended family. It's, like, 20 people camping every summer. That's where my oh. brother proposed to his now right. wife, he and proposed. she came into our family. Yes. Isn't that funny? Very much so. Weird, weird. Wait, so what happened? Well, I did end up buying the diamond ring at my family's uh, shout-out Colonial Jewelers in Frederick, Frederick Maryland. Maryland. What, what, well, what shout-out, right what's now? up, Frederick? So, uh, they, I, they're going to sponsor the whole show. I they're going to sponsor the whole show, baby. It's a beautiful Colonial Jewelers is a beautiful store, beautiful strip of stores. It's a wonderful day yes. in Frederick. And you did buy the ring, like, alongside I bought the, your mom and dad, Well, I bought right? the ring when I was in, in, in Maryland visiting family, and my parents were there, and then the... Did your mom give you, like, tips on what she thought would look nice? Because, again, no. everyone listening, no, no, we've no, never... I have friends who their partners knew the cut, the color, the size, yeah, they, oh, so yeah. the style, kind of have gone... They went together. Like, Adam and I, yeah. at this time, at 20 years old, we had never had a conversation. Not about it. rings or engagement or anything. But I just had, like, one piece of, like... Hannah, my sister-in-law, was like... You she was with you when you bought the ring, Yeah, too, right? you told her that you liked her ring, and I was like, all right, I'll just go off of Hannah's ring. I love Hannah's ring. Well, I so do. I 
I bought the ring and they had to size it and put it to make it and make it all. Yeah. And they were and I was like, don't send it to L.A. because Katie's going to find it because we were living together. Send it to my parents and I'll get it from them. My parents ended up going on a road trip down the coast of California that we were going to meet them in Monterey uh, just to be with them. And they were going to give me the ring for the proposal later that summer at the lake house back in New York. And Katie was shooting a Taco Bell commercial. Shout yeah, out shout Taco out Taco Bell. Bell. <laughs> <laughs> Brought to you by Taco Bell and Colonial Jewelers. In yeah, Frederick, Colonial Maryland. Jewelers. <laughs> I got cut out of that commercial. No. no one believed that. No, that I had a Taco Bell visor on and I was selling Taco Bell behind. I oh, you worked in the too. store and the, yeah, I was picturing you as a customer. I was a Taco Bell employee. Wow. Cut. So Katie missed the first couple days of Monterey with my parents, and she was just going to fly up after she wrapped her big commercial. So I had two days with this ring and talking to my parents, and they were like, yeah, you know, Carmel's pretty beautiful. Like, they kind of were like, why don't you just do it right now? It was burning a hole in your pocket. Yeah, and I was like, whoa, that's a really good idea. Which is why when when he did propose... It was so out of left field because mm. he didn't even know he was going to do it then. <laughs> he was as surprised as you were. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if it's just me or us, but like the feeling of like, oh no, that like, what if something goes wrong? Like you want it to be, I mean, my husband, That's true. John, who you guys know, he said that from the moment he picked up. My engagement rang. He was walking down the street being like, oh, my God, what if I get hit by a car? Like, you know what I mean? That's just like the feeling true. of knowing something good is happening and just that the stakes feel so much higher. The risk of something going wrong feels so much worse than in your, like, regular life. Totally agree. Yeah, so I ended up just doing it there, and I, I was just as sort of speechless. I just kind of got on my knee, and you were like, is this happening? Is this fucking happening? What's oh, fucking happening? I had like, a full-on panic attack. You were on the <gasps> beach at Carmel-by-the-Sea. Carmel by the Sea, for those of you listening, is like literally one of the most beautiful places, in my opinion, in the country. It's just, just it's perfect stunning. beach settings, beautiful, rugged and gorgeous. Mm. After a lovely day of sort of sightseeing and you had the ring in your pocket and I didn't know what was going on. I was just thinking I was spending like a lovely like two day vacation up in the middle of California. Not acting weird? No. You can't really tell with me, Sasha. You know that. <laughs> I already act weird. So. I remember going out to take a picture under a cypress tree on the Pebble mm. Hill, on the Pebble Beach Road, and you were doing like a pass off of the ring out of a backpack into your pocket or something. And yeah. you guys stayed in the car, and I was like, "Where is everyone?" Now looking back, that shit was going on, but I didn't know. Well, it's like and Kaiser about- Soze. You don't realize till you put it all together afterwards. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And then. His parents at around five o'clock were like, all right, well, we're uh, going to go back to the hotel room freshen up. to freshen up before dinner. And Adam was like, Katie, why don't we uh, go take a walk down the beach and go see the sunset? I'm like, OK. okay. <laughs> no, no. Actually, you were like, no, fuck. Let's just go back to the hotel. Oh, yeah. I think I said no to everything. I was like, no, fuck that. I don't want to. And he was like, yes, you want to. And then we get to the beach and he was like, had already scoped out a beautiful <gasps> log to oh, sort of like sit on. And I was like, no, fuck that. Log. I want to go to the right. I was like, well, let's go this way. You were like, no, go that way. And I was like, OK. <laughs> and he's, so then I spent the rest of the walk looking for a nice spot. And then it got, and then he picks like a log to sit on. We're looking at the sunset and the beach and it's so beautiful. And his arms are wrapped around me and it's starting to feel weird. Weird. Yeah. Like, 
Yeah, I don't know why we're sitting like this. It feels very like, why is our bodies acting so bizarre? Yeah, like, we've never, yeah, we've never I, like been like that couple that like no, snuggles up. We're not like snuggling, sunset. watching a something. That is like so not what we've ever done. And then I turned and I remember him being down on one knee in the <gasps> sand. And I don't remember anything he said. <gasps> I felt like I had one of those moments where you're too stoned and the yeah. frames of your life are sort of not connecting in yeah. what you're seeing. Yeah. Which is also what I get when I have a panic attack. Very um, similar. <laughs> and Adam sounds like... <laughs> like the adults on Charlie Brown. Yes. And, and what were you saying? Do you uh, just like Katie Quinn loves, will you marry me? It was very simple. It wasn't. It was, I didn't have like a speech prepared. Like we see, we're sensing a theme here. There was not a paradise. speech prepared. I because I always think I've never prepared anything. I'm like, oh, I'll just wing it in the moment, you know. But I've now also never been as nervous as I was asking your dad and asking you. Like, did I, you feel? Aww. Oh, that was the other reason is that it looked so, so weird and it felt so weird because he got down on his knee. And I couldn't think of it. He didn't to look like himself because he was also completely panic stricken, <gasps> and he didn't look like it. Like I think he was this nervous. Goes to the fact that like this is not a natural <laughs> thing. Like <laughs> I'm just doing this because I. That's what everyone does. And I right. Think, you know, leading back to like your question about marriage, it's like I. It's just this is the tradition. This is the 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 way that we do things. And so I was just like, this is so weird because I'm doing something that is so bizarre. And not what I would normally ever choose to do. And you're being put in that position. It was just so strange. So strange. And then and tell then her just, what I said. Did I answer right away? Right away. I said, will you marry me? And you said, are you fucking kidding me? And then you <laughs> I said, can hear your voice, Katie. I can you said, hear your voice. <laughs> then you said, is this fucking happening? And then I said, yeah. And then you go, I thought we were going to be fucking 30. And I was like, I am 30. <laughs> and then... Uh, <laughs> And then she was like, no, like me. I thought I was going to be 30. And I was like, well, I don't know. And then I think my next question was like, did you talk to my dad? Yeah. Then you were like, did you talk to my parents? And I was like, yeah, I was with did them. Did you get a permission like, slip from my dad yeah. and all the other photographers who work with so him? I was like, so she kept asking questions. And I was like, listen, Katie, I, I got answers to all these. But I would love to get back to the, to, to the original question that I asked you about the getting married to me. And then you were just like, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, fucking, yeah, of course. Yeah, I said yes, Aww. but it was not. Like you, it was like. Why I love this story so much is because it was not. <laughs> yes, I love How you. I pictured it. It wasn't like jumping. I think if you're someone who gets married or, or engaged when they're young and that was a real like goal of yours, I think it can be like a very amazing thing. I think if you're in a relationship for a long time and you really wanted to get married, I think it can be like very joyous. I, I, it really wasn't on my horizon and I was, t and why Adam and I work so well as a couple, I was terrified of change. I was terrified mm. of the status quo. I felt like marriage was a risk. I felt like having children w was a, a risk mm. and I, for all intents and purposes, we were happy so I'm like, why are we going to fuck it up? Like, and yeah. throw in this huge left curveball that, like, we don't know how we're going to be. And thank God Adam is really comfortable with risk. He's really comfortable with change. He's mm. sort of the person that pushes me along and knows I can handle it. Thank God. I mean, honestly, I think if you would have asked me first, I would have been like, no, let's wait. And thank God he didn't. Yeah. Because I, by the time we got, you know, I got married at 30, like mm -hmm. I wanted to, we had a two year, very long engagement. 
And I was ready by that point. And well, then... the crazy part, you know, the crazy part about this tradition is that it's so weird that like the man is the one that proposes. So I had like six, seven months of sort of wrapping yeah. my head around this moment, right? Like getting ready to be married, getting yeah. ready to be engaged, buying a ring, talking to her parents, all that stuff. Yeah. And then I'm just springing it on Katie in one second. Like, I can't believe she even said yes. Yeah, it's kind of like the reverse of pregnancy, where it's like the, it's like all of a sudden there's a baby from the partner who's not having the baby's perspective, and from the person who's been pregnant for forty weeks, it's like yeah, <laughs> yeah this is what we've been leading up to. Right. In a weird way, it's like the 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 engagement is almost like the wedding for the man because. You know, I had all this planning I did mm. and then dealing with family and talking and getting and, and, and like investing in this ring and all this stuff. And then it's like, then you took over and yeah. like you like really like planned the shit out of the wedding. Yeah. And so like when the wedding happened, it was like your moment of being like, I'm... I've prepared for this. I put. I had a panic attack day, that day too. Though. Right, right. But like, <laughs> but that you, you've actually put in the time... To, to yeah. get to this moment, as opposed to the engagement, which is just so male-heavy, which is so weird for us, because that's not how we usually, no. you kind of plan everything. <laughs> well, I do feel like it is it is kind of, I mean, again, like, the world is different than it was when these traditions started, and a lot of people who get engaged, it's not, like, you know, a male-female couple, or, there's, or the woman yeah. proposes, or there's a yeah. million different versions, yeah. but in the, like, traditional, very binary, very old-fashioned way, it's, like, choosing something that's very expensive that the other person is going to wear every day for the rest of their lives. When my husband's like, oh, just order me something from the menu, I don't know what you were in the mood for. Right. Like, just give me a genre. Do you want pasta? You know, and I feel yeah. like it's this idea that you have to secretly buy this really expensive thing and the other person has to wear it. And it's so much a signal in so many different ways. There's It's a socioeconomic signal. Also, just the idea that you have this rock from inside the earth. And like, Katie, I'm sure this has happened to you. Like, I have been yeah. in a crowded, loud place. A man walking up to you, you know, with a like a certain glimmer in his eye where it's too loud to talk and just holding up your hand to say, no, thank you. And, right. you know, right. very respectfully, like, OK, I'll be right. on my way. And you can have a right. totally nonverbal exchange because bizarre. you have this rock from inside the earth that other people know means I'm all set. Thanks so much. Please don't try to you know, engage in any mating rituals. I can remember going in on auditions, like, right after he had done it and being like, I guess I shouldn't wear my ring. <gasps> you had been trained so much as an actor. Like, don't share too much about, like, your personal choices. You I think the, the career has... You have to be a blank slate. And I think the business has changed so much even in those 12 years in regards to things like that. Also, now I'm, I don't give a fuck. But, like, right. at that time when I was trying to break in and I just really wanted a job, Right. I can remember thinking things like that. You're also younger. I mean, I feel like it's such a culture of like youth worship. Being engaged is a way of saying like, I'm a grown up. Yes, exactly right. On some level. That's exactly right. So, okay, for each of you, if you lived in a society or your personalities are the same, but the gender roles are switched, Katie, would you have rather been the person who got to ask? And Adam, would you rather have been the person who got to be asked? Well, if our personalities were the same, you never would have asked. 
I mean, not that she doesn't want to get married to me, but like you don't. That's a huge decision, and you don't. You're not good at making decisions at all. Yeah, I'm really so. bad at making decisions, but I'm really good at planning. Mm. So, so we nailed I think it. I, I got to make the decision that, like, I was ready for us to get married, and then you got to plan the wedding. Yeah. And then I just remember that whole weekend, it was this insane amount of pressure for this to be, like, the most romantic. sexually charged, <laughs> romantic 48 fucking hours of my life. And, and it was too much pressure. And me be and no, we did great. But, like, I, <laughs> I was also inside having a panic attack. Like, I can remember, like, feeling like, okay, it was our engagement weekend, so it's endless amounts of sex and staring at each other in each other's eyes and telling... Don't and break eye contact. So, don't break eye contact. So many bubble baths. Well, like, by also, the way, all these things... Bubble baths. And I also remember I kept waking up in the middle of the night and looking at yeah. the rock from the center of the earth on my hand. Yeah. yeah. And, like, waking up and looking at it and being like, this is who Weird. I am now. This is weird. Like, it's what is so... this identity shift? Why am I wearing something on my ring finger that he gave me and spent money on that we don't have? Would you change anything about getting engaged? No, because I had to learn all those things. Mm. It was such growing pains. Yeah, I wouldn't pains. change anything about anything. It was such growing pains, and it was so, I was so scared. But I think it was really important for me to, like, have that experience and mm. not be comforted by the family I had always known and loved and to really start my journey of, like, who am I as like a separate person? Like, yeah. what is what is my family? What does my adulthood look like? What is a family I build look like? And I think that the engagement was really mm. and the About proposal that. was the beginning of that journey for me. And I can't believe I'm still wearing this rock. I'll never look at my wedding ring and be like, this is a rock from the center of the earth that we pretend is scarce that Adam got down on one knee. That is the weirdest. I That's don't so understand. And I wear it every day. Like, what? Bizarre. We get so stuck on rituals with anything to do with weddings. We're super nostalgic. With they just they stick, and we're so reluctant to let go and celebrate in a way that we don't really in any other walk of life. Now I get to talk to Rachel Lennon. She has a new book coming out soon called Wedded Wife: A Feminist History of Marriage. And then, um, yeah, so we've sort of constructed this idea really very yeah. recently in kind of the 20th century. We've constructed this idea that engagement happens when a person, usually a man, <laughs> asks another person, usually a woman, to marry them yeah. in an event that he's choreographed in some way to create this sort of moment where all of a sudden you're not engaged to marry, you're not on the road to marry, yeah, and all of a sudden, yeah. yeah, that's it. You're on that path. This yeah. is this funny little transition. I think, yeah, the idea yeah. of this proposal event, this this a lot of energy and attention around this moment is very recent. It is only in the twentieth century that we're seeing that. You don't see Mr. Darcy kind of going down on one knee. Yeah, he doesn't have a ring. You know, he's not taking Elizabeth to a nice beauty spot locally. Like it's just it's not being like that. It's a very um 20th century and, and even with um social media, like a 21st century phenomenon to have this massive 
um, put builds pressure on this moment. It's amazing because it's so choreographed is such a perfect word. And it's so choreographed that it could be completely wordless. You would know what was happening down the block without hearing any of the words. If one person, as you said, usually a man, is crouching down presenting this object to another person. I'm So, okay, so in terms of the recent elements of it, the diamond itself is a relatively recent element. How Can you give us a little bit of history on how this object became the icon of this promise and and how the uh, De Beers Corporation (laughs) played a part in this extremely successful ad campaign. Yeah, it is an ad campaign. That's exactly what it is. I think the the idea of the diamond engagement ring is such a good example of how things we think of as traditional are actually just, they've been constructed, like manufactured deliberately for someone's personal benefit and then stuck. And, and then we've just kind of ah! forgotten to challenge. <laughs> yes, it's such a good one because it is a private company seeking to address a, a business opportunity and challenge. And then we've just kind of run with it. So yeah, the idea of a, um, a ring itself is a bit older. So it kind of, rings were exchanges engagement gifts kind of an ancient Rome, ancient jewish tradition there's kind of a a depth to that um, practice particularly not necessarily in a proposal moment but at some point on the road to marriage kind of mark engagement a ring might have been given kind of for millennia that's kind of a there's a deep root Mm. to that but um it was only really in the 1940s that the idea of the diamond it really took off the diamond engagement ring is kind of the ultimate signifier that yes, you're engaged, you've got that diamond ring on that special finger. And it was, yeah, like I say, you know, manufactured for business reasons. Um, in that the by the sort of 1930s, there was not as much demand for diamonds as um, the company De Beers, like you say, but generally the um, diamond manufacturers would have liked to see supply was up, mm. you know, they'd been stockpiling for a while and they were kind of saying like, how do we meet this increased demand to sort of you know, deliver the supply that we've got and commissioned a New York um, marketing firm to, to answer that conundrum. And the answer was a diamond is forever. So um, Mary Frances Garrity came up with this diamond is forever and it's stuck you know all of these years later it's kind of familiar and it's so interesting that you say about yeah. the kind of recognizable thing about proposals but that it can be even non-verbal because um the idea of going down on one knee is actually i mean that's super recent also because that feels old yeah no and it's, it's i mean that seems like from the middle ages if i had to guess mm. like what part of this tradition is the oldest like the bending down no. seems like so yeah. nightly you know what i mean yes. that's amazing so how did we start doing that yeah so that's um again a constructed idea of a constructed tradition that's kind of gone off from its original intention we think it became popular in victorian times when um, you know, there'd been all these motivations to marry, being kind of maybe practical, maybe financial. And then you kind of see in that as we go into the 19th century, there's this huge fashion for marrying for love and being really overt about it and, and getting a bit more performative about it. And, the, mm. and it, so the Victorians had this huge nostalgia for the kind of medieval times. And if you think about the like pre-Raphaelite paintings, if you know, like, a knight yeah. and uh, sort of bending down in front of a 
you know, a woman. And I, it kind of comes from that. But people weren't, men weren't proposing in the medieval times going down on one knee. It's, it's just this idea that they used to kind of maybe genuflect or it comes from something that's totally yes. unrelated to marriage. Um, and then actually, really, I think it's like silent movies and Hollywood that's really perpetuated. <gasps> so you're talking about um, nonverbal presentations of an engagement. Yes. It's things, yeah. So it's that sort of thing, Buster Keaton going down on one knee. That's how we know to kind of create that visual language. Really recent. Wow. That blows my mind. Oh, my goodness. Okay. And so... So what about the third finger? What's that about? Oh, it is. Why not like an index finger or like wherever it fits? And you don't have to bother to get it resized. Like why? Yeah. Yes. Like why that finger? What is that? I love the idea of wherever it fits. That's so. That's what we should do. Is that a new tradition we should forge? Um, it's very. I mean, that's variable. That's sort of um, across different cultures, different practices. The hand you wear, right. and the finger it goes on. There was this idea in. Um, ancient Rome that maybe there was a particular artery vein that ran from that finger to the heart and maybe mm. there's kind of a romantic thing to that but actually that's tra- that's changed through time obviously it's not based in any science <laughs> and um, that's changed right. through time so um, yeah there's not really much attached to that it's just at some point someone's decided that's the clearest visual signifier and then everyone's adopted it so that it's a shared understanding that that's what it means. It's so amazing. And so before the De Beers campaign, um, I mean, and you're so right, it's so it really it really got into the to the psyche, the, the, the general psyche there before that. So like other I mean, are other like diamonds are not really more scarce than other gems, you know, rubies and sapphires. Were, was it more common to have other gemstones? It wasn't, there wasn't a particular, like we think of an engagement ring as having sort of a big gemstone that, that didn't exist before then. There wasn't a particular, oh, your engagement ring should have a gemstone. There was no particular kind of um, style, I suppose, even beyond the stone as to what that was. So um, you could, you know, it could be a simple band. It could be, you know, whatever it was. Mm. And some people were exchanging rings with diamonds in them but not that many so in the 1939 there were 10% of American brides had engagement rings with some kind of diamond in them and then by the 60s it was 80% and then from there it kind of ex- wow. it's exploded around the world enlightening me to all these things that I you know I you think of as so old that are new but I got to imagine that the idea of asking for the bride's hand asking the father that has got to be very old I mean that must be I old mean, right that is old I'm actually I mean it is as old as patriarchy because it is the definition of yeah. patriarchy yeah yes path from one man to another man and it's the same as the sort of giving away ceremony that kind of goes through into the wedding yeah, yeah absolutely so and and actually financial you know money would transfer with that this idea that the woman is actually quite passive in that and proposals yeah. might very well happen have happened between you know two male friends <laughs> it's just about a daughter but actually she could be a very passive um, person in it so um i often think of um Juliet, Romeo and Juliet's Juliet, and the idea yeah. that you know, Capulet and Paris have this conversation about, wouldn't it be great for you to marry Juliet? Yeah. And then, and in theory, that's sort of, you know, he, 
you know, asking for permission. But it, it's more than the sort of gentle, polite nod to the father. Like the proposal is happening between those two right. men. And when her dad tells her, right. this is what's I've been asked. It's not a question. It's not, would you, you know, would you like to? It's very much, um, I think he says, um, you're mine. I, I'll give you to my friend. If not, hang, beg, starve, die in the streets. Like, you know, this is, they have made that decision. Yeah. There's a fine line between that kind of polite nod to involvement and, you know, who's making the decision here and where does the power lie? That is such an interesting point. It makes me, it makes me think two things. One is it almost makes me think that the the crouching down and presenting the ring, like turning it the focus on that and and making it so that in this very traditional, you know, gender norm roles that we're discussing that are, you know, maybe representative of a time gone by, but in these two roles, making a big choreographed appeal to the woman and giving the decision to her in this sometimes public way maybe is a step forward from just the idea that she is the object being negotiated over. Yeah, I think it is. And I think that's the Victorian um, shift where, the, you know, the idea of marrying for love does come into fashion is, well, actually, it's not about, you know, the financial position. It's not about social stuff in the way that it was. Now it's about love and I will show you that by going down on one knee and I'll show you that by right. kind of creating this moment for us that we can celebrate. So yeah, definitely. I think I think there's um, some truth to that. But then why are we still in a modern age where, I mean, my husband and I lived together for years before we got married and that is not uncommon. My dad was no longer alive by the time I got engaged, but my husband, you know, he did talk to my mom beforehand, which is a little different. But why do you think we still hold on to this idea that, oh, the groom should ask for someone's hand? I mean, this is the major theme through my whole book around every step of the road to marriage and all the way through wedding traditions. We just can't let go of so many. We're still reluctant to question. I think we've got this idea that um, there's something inherently romantic about the traditional or kind of um, we get nostalgic at these moments of kind of um, weddings. And I think there's kind of two things pulling in different directions with this right now, because there are... um, we are seeing some shifts and mm. kind of younger people are less likely to adopt some of the customs yeah. that maybe their parents did and yeah. you know, kind of awareness around gender equality and definitely right. um, sort of a rising kind of queer identity and, you know, in a non-binary or trans couple, like how does that work? Yeah. And definitely, you know, we've had a decade of same-sex marriage in the UK this year and, you know, similar in certain parts of America and that absolutely just blows all of us out of the water it makes you have to think about it so there is some change but on the other side you've got kind of um commercialization so yeah. people like De Beers saying no you must have that diamond engagement ring and the kind of homogenization with that so that's definitely a thing you know you're not going to get jewelry companies saying well you know yeah maybe we're getting a bit antiquated about having that diamond yeah. engagement ring you don't need to get it's not going to happen and you know there's a big proposal industry are very keen that these moments you know become big and performative and we get a bit competitive about it on our social media accounts and they're like economically invested in it so I think they're kind of pulling in different directions that's such an interesting question too about like why we're so drawn to these 
antiquated ways of doing things and how lost we can sometimes feel. Like a friend of mine who was on the show talks about how when they and their husband decided to get married, they couldn't decide on how they were going to get engaged because the gender roles were not the air quotes traditional gender roles. And they had this like conundrum of how do we do this? And this idea that we have to pave our own way if we don't do the thing that is just like the pre-formatted, you know, printout that you can just fill in, you know, like that we have to create something new and just how much, you know, it takes a lot of creativity. It takes a lot of effort to find a new way of doing things that seem like they can only be one way. So what do you recommend for people? Yeah, oh, yeah, I mean, that's such a good point. I think around that kind of actual labor it takes to deviate from the template is actually, that's a really lovely way of thinking about it. Because we do, when we have these moments, it's it's a lot of work to plan a wedding. It's kind of easy if some of it is predetermined. And as we have these moments, it... It's always easier to meet other people's expectations. So I found that when I married my wife, obviously we had all of these moments of like, you know, what do we keep? What do we not? And I think you see in um, some same-sex couples, they do fall into kind of traditional binary roles. And sometimes they do just absolutely reject it and kind of look to start again. So we... um, we didn't have a proposal event, so we kind of we were in Venice, I mean, a very stereotypical oh, romantic place. So and romantic! Had, uh, oh my god! <laughs> yeah, and we just, but we were just having more kind of practical conversations yeah. about you know marriage and think about kind of children and fertility yeah. treatment and really practical things. Yeah, and and just got a bit more kind of decisive about it yeah. in that conversation. And then we kind of designed our engagement rings together. We kind of got our wedding rings at the same time and just, um, yeah, just had to kind of find our own way through. But yeah, it's not, it's not always easy. It's very liberating, but not always easy. Yeah. Well, that's true for forging new paths of, of so many different genres, you know? Uh, so yeah, so what do you think the future of of specifically, I mean, all of these rituals around marriage are changing, of course, in so many different ways. And I think we're in such a fascinating, amazing time where, you know, people are starting to feel like they don't have to just go through the motions so that their grandmother isn't mad at them. You know, I hope. I think that people, you know what I mean? But like, I think we're in this moment where there's like a little more freedom and creativity that people are allowing themselves um, to really express their love. And I'm curious what you think, like as we sort of shake off some of the traditions of patriarchy, of really rigid gender norms and very binary ideas of who is who and who does what, how do you see these rituals evolving? I mean, marriage rituals in general, but specifically about the proposal, which is the very beginning, you know, it's the spark that leads all the way through to the honeymoon. Yeah, I think um, it is about gender norms and the expectations being based on gender norms. So I would definitely like to see (laughs) that the expectations around proposals and weddings and marriage um, lose their gendered (laughs) element. So like every time we place different or could we kind of differentiate roles based on sex and gender it's problematic and it's exclusive and it you know doesn't include same-sex couples and um, trans and non-binary people and it kind of it stops people being able to 
kind of articulate themselves or find their own way or the way that works for them as a couple is like it's it's really unhelpful and I feel like that's that's the big shift and I think this kind of people will always go big with proposals and weddings and always has always been some people who are gonna have the great big you know big white wedding or big whatever it is and there's always gonna be people who go a bit quieter but I think that's the shift that needs to happen is that we kind of lift the gendered element of expectations and maybe some bits will stay that you know it's still about one person proposing to another or one person creating this moment to mark this transition but I think if we can move past the idea that all the pressure is on a man to create that moment in a sort of heterosexual love sex partnership and that the woman's role is passive and to wait until that moment is presented Mm. to you like that's the stuff we need to let go of I think I mean, the idea of picking out something really expensive that the other person has to wear for the rest of their life without their <laughs> input I was stressed me out so much. And then, like, the idea of, like, it has to be a surprise, but you have to be pretty sure they're going to say yes. There's a lot of pressure on the on the guy to, to create this magical moment with this accessory that will, you know, just sit on her hand for the next 50 years or whatever. I massively so. I helped my, my um, younger brother pick out an engagement ring for my sister-in-law a few years ago and I felt that. I was like, my poor little brother's making this choice and it's a really good, everyone suffers under patriarchy. Let's just lift the yes. expectations and then <laughs> find our way. <laughs> After my husband and I got engaged, I was ecstatic. The next day, I called a girlfriend to tell her the good news. Don't you just wish you could bottle this feeling, she said. Yes, I did. I was thrilled by the proposal, the kneeling, the ring, the planning, the surprise. And I think I did really want those things, although I could never really express why. But in the end, the euphoria came from the joy of planning to spend the rest of our lives together. Symbols are fascinating, and I love how much we love them. How many different ways our species has created to communicate with one another. But how much more beautiful would it be if the symbols around engagement were born out of the love we feel for our spouses-to-be, and not some antiquated idea of how things should run? Could we find new symbols for a new view of what marriage can promise? Something to think about next time someone shows off their sparkly new rock. Thank you so much to my guest today, Katie Lowe's, whose new podcast, Unpacking the Toolbox, that rewatches her show Scandal, is out now on iHeartRadio and everywhere you get your podcasts. And Adam can be seen in the Netflix series Never Have I Ever, the new film She Said, and the upcoming John Wick prequel The Continental. And if you live in L.A., he sells his delicious pretzels. You can check out Shappy's Pretzels. And thank you so much to Rachel Lennon, whose new book, Wedded Wife, A Feminist History of Marriage, will be released in April. Join me next time when my guests will be author and linguist Amanda Montal. She'll tell us about something you probably did today. Didn't even think about it. I remember on on the playground learning pig Latin and instantly you felt so cool. I mean, it was a sort of form of cult language itself. Our theme music is by Evgeny Klemenko. Additional music in this episode by Spear Fisher and Blue Dot Sessions. My producer is Dale McGowan. 
Strange Customs is a production of Only Sky Media. Visit us online at onlysky.media slash strangecustoms. And subscribe to Strange Customs with Sasha Sagan wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be back in two weeks with more Strange Customs. Strange Customs.